Coming up today on Locked On Texas Tech, paving the path to the National Football League. Next on Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to start this thing off right. Everything runs through Lubbock. Great to be back with you again on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network. Always appreciate being your first listen every day on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook and the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. He's the only Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan and Chris as we Rejoin and kick off a week here today. Got a few more Red Raiders expecting to get started as far as professional opportunity in the National Football League. As you mentioned last week, now when you talk about some other football leagues available to those who are looking for professional shots, uh, may see some things continue to develop elsewhere outside the NFL. But somewhat as anticipated today, uh, we got a few undrafted free agent guys that we'll get to. And then also want to touch on the next wave 2024 2025 2026 how far you want to go maybe we just (laughs) stick with the next year most draftable red raiders that are on campus right now and we'll see lineup once again at the jones but uh chris excited for some of these guys to get opportunities i know that uh obviously you and many other tech fans uh kind of develop maybe you know this little guy or this guy that you like his story over here uh you like this story so uh, wherever you want to start with somebody that maybe got your attention, whether it's a wolf or a muddy or a whatever, uh, we've got some guys that I am really anticipating following. Uh, I think maybe in some cases in the National Football League for a sustained period of time. There's all kinds of ways to keep a job in the NFL, and uh, maybe we'll see some of these guys do it. Yeah, I, you know, obviously we knew about uh, Tyree being picked top 10, and then we kind of waited for, for days two and three, and I, and I was hopeful that Sir Roger Thompson would have his name uh, called eventually. It did, it did not. Um, and then and as you get to the latter part of the draft, you know, th- there's an argument to be made that in some ways it's better for you to be able to pick your team as opposed to the other way around when you're, like, getting into that kind of sixth, seventh uh, round pick mm-hmm. range. And – um, because you you can identify fit, you can identify depth chart, you can kind of you know city weather, you know whatever you can kind of pick pick your your choice if you have some <laughs> options. But I, I uh, you know Sir Roderick uh, Thompson's going to end up in, in New Orleans, and I think um, going to have a chance. Uh, I, I think you, you mentioned stories. I don't know if if we've ever done a good enough job about like talking about Trey Wolf's story um, in that. What he was forty-two of fifty-two in in his college career, and and this is somebody that I one I think has a chance to to stick with the Titans uh, or, or somewhere, uh, just because I think yeah. that you know if he if he can just kind of hang around a bit, you know somebody you know has a has a job for a kicker that he can compete for, and I, I think win eventually, but. This is somebody too that his perseverance hopefully will pay off for him because man. How many how many situations do we know where a guy is really good at his job and then kind of loses his job, you know, to somebody else, 
and th- this person becomes kind of folk hero-ish like Jonathan Garibay was and has these big game winners and has this 62-yarder oh, and on and on and on. And, and Trey Wolf just sits right here and keeps grinding and doesn't flinch, doesn't blink, doesn't feel sorry for himself, doesn't bail out, doesn't transfer. And, mm-hmm. and then it, it ultimately, you know, comes full circle and he, he's this stud kicker again. And I just – I think that, you know, Tennessee or whoever probably looked at that and was like, you know, because kickers, man, it's all mental and it's so much oh, of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just is. And so I, I think uh, his story is a unique one, especially in society today when kids quit, kids – just bail out body language can be bad or I mean, I'm just out. And then they end up transferring three or four times. I mean, no, man, not, not Trey Wolf, man. I mean, well, and, and that's like back. I'll, I'll just say, I think Trey Wolf may be a folk hero as well. So it's back to back folk heroes for us. Uh, after <laughs> yeah, the season I agree. That I agree. <laughs> yeah. Clutch, hey, clutch you're kicks. right, man. Yeah. Clutch yes. kicks. So against teams you care about beating. That is <laughs> beating teams you care about beating. That is, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the context of his biggest moments this season, Chris, it wasn't that he just came back. I mean, it really wouldn't be like the folk connection, if you will, if he just came back, won the job, and did a, a fine job this season for Texas Tech. And yeah, he really showed his tenacity and relentlessness and perseverance and all these things and doing it. That would be great. We could say so many of those those same things about what it means for him intangibly. But, uh, yeah, to do what he did in those moments, in those specific games, uh, will generate a connection with the fan base, obviously, that goes just beyond uh, some of those intangibles. And he may be number one on the list. I, I hate to short anybody else. And, of course, it's a different position we're talking about uh, with Trey Wolf for being a, a special teams guy as far as kicking or punting. But he may be number one, number one on the list as far as guys that have a chance to sustain something here. Uh, as far as this class, beyond Tyree Wilson. Yeah, I mean, and, and he's uh, – there's some longevity there with with him, especially if he wants to do this uh, for a living because of the USFL and the XFL. But, I mean, he he's uh, – I just know at Pro Day, man, I, I think that the, the tech contingent kind of walked away from Pro Day going – Trey made himself some money today. You know, like he really mm-hmm. did well in front of, I think it was 18 to 20 different NFL teams represented there. So I think that that uh, that, that did him well. You know, in, in, in Muddy Waters, nothing has changed over the last week. We, we thought, you know, we thought he'd have a chance to be picked. But it, it's, a, it's a measurables league. And when you are a, a tweener and you don't have the measurables for size, you have to make up for that in in other things. And unfortunately, you know, Muddy's 40 time, being at like I think the 4'9 range maybe, um, that, that hurts him mo- much more than it would ever help him. But I think what Robert Sala, you know, the the head coach uh, for the Jets and in, in, in organization, and he's a defensive-minded guy. I mean, this is very clearly somebody that knows defense and, and all those things. I think they just see a very high IQ, productive player that just plays ball. And he plays faster than maybe his 40 time would suggest because of his angles and smarts and all those things. But uh, hopefully he has a chance to, to stick around. And I did see – here, here's a 
it's like we talk about folk heroes, and, and here's your name that I think we hardly knew ye kind of uh, commentary, and that it, it feels like he's been around here for three or four years because he has and barely has ever played. And it's like a tease. It's a tease every year in the summer and in August, and you hear his name and your coaches talk about his name. And then it just it just doesn't happen, whether he gets dinged up or or it just, you know, it just doesn't ever work. But every year is going to be the year. But I did see uh, Chad Townsend uh, get, get uh, invited to uh, the mini rookie mini camp for the Houston Texans. And again, from a measurable standpoint, I think he's like a four, two, four, three guy at times with a straight line, long speed. I mean, he can move. He just can't ever stay healthy and I think people try to figure out is he is he a slot receiver is he a running back can he return uh but he just never did it for any any length of time here but there was a reason Alabama originally recruited him and uh that that various Texas Tech head coaches and and offensive coordinators and everybody kind of would would sing the praises of Chad Townsend when they'd get a a long look at him but it just did never stay consistent for very long but he's going to get a shot with the Texans yeah, that was interesting to see come across. And, you know, as before we leave this with, with Muddy, um, I just kind of think, aside from obviously what he can do physically, when maybe one of your best gifts is between the years, like his might possibly be. I mean, he he earned a master's degree in his time. He's a smart guy and does things the right way, I think, by all accounts. Um, that takes a little bit more time maybe to make an impact uh, on an NFL roster or whatever it might be, Chris. When you're running the 40 time, nobody's sitting there uh, watching visually um, maybe how intelligent you are, or how quick-witted you are, how fast you process things, whatever it might be. Nobody's watching uh, your commitment Monday through Friday in that 40-yard uh, dash. So there's an opportunity to show some things uh, beyond that as well. And He's got that chance. Hopefully he and these others we have named will make good on that chance. I, I want to somewhat stay uh, in a similar vein here, but – Look more so to what's on campus right now, coming up dead ahead. I want to get to those next guys that uh, will be looking to earn some money, so to speak, this season as it relates to an NFL future. Those guys that are still wearing the double T and we'll see on the field at the Jones coming up this fall. We'll get to some of those that could be on a short list as far as NFL prospects next on Locked on Texas Tech. But first, today's episode brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book, NBA postseason on your mind. Now's the perfect time to get in as a new customer with FanDuel. Download the FanDuel app today, and you're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet don't bank. You feel me? Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on anything and everything. Money line, point scores, how many fans LeBron gets kicked out in the first quarter, whatever you want, they got it. Plus, FanDuel is even going to let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout. Smoking on that same game parlay pack, my man, only with FanDuel. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets today when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more and make every moment more with fanduel an official sports betting partner of the nba
Thanks for joining us on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts so you never miss an episode with Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan. And before we leave the draft behind for good, at least for this calendar, uh, wanted to take a sneak peek really quickly, Chris, at uh, the next wave of Red Raiders that uh, here in 2023, 2024, we will see, hopefully, climbing some NFL prospect charts. And who knows what the season will hold. There'll probably be some guys that emerge that maybe we don't even anticipate today. Uh, but there are some, clearly, uh, who have got their eyes on that kind of destination as well and probably have some NFL eyes already on them. And because I'm a lazy man and I'm talking right now, so I feel like I have control of this thing, at least for the moment, I may take the lazy way out and just start the conversation with Tyler Shuck. <laughs> I don't know if it requires a whole lot of thinking, Chris, uh, to think about that guy that might be at the top of the list. Tell me if I'm wrong. Is it Tyler Shuck or bust when it comes to number one most draftable Red Raider? Or where do we go? You know, the thing about uh, Tyler Shuck as it relates to the draft is that th there's a lot of um, range there that this, this could go. If he... If he is healthy and productive, I think people would be surprised at how high he could end up being picked. I don't, I don't know if it's if it's first round or first and second round is like the the ceiling. I I, I would not rule that out though, and like that that's that's kind of what NFL folks are, are starting to to say at, at some level. And again, so many things can change between now and and a year from now, and. Players move up boards, down boards, and and, and all those things. But I, I do think that it's it's wise to to mention that that Tyler Shuck could be a a draftable commodity because of the measurables component, and and he just needs to stay healthy and productive. But even then, if if we're sitting here a year from now, and he wasn't able to play the whole season, somebody may take a chance on him because he's very smart and he's a big kid and he's got a strong arm and all those things. As far as like, you know, the the other the other one is is Miles Cole, and I think that in some ways people may hear that and go, "Man, that is a big stretch." Well, li literally, um, uh, because uh, he hasn't done a whole lot in his college career to this point, like production wise. However, speaking of stretch, he 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 can reach across a room and and touch both. I mean, so he has got longer From arms the than Tyree. To the wall. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the wingspan is there. Uh, he's a bit taller than Tyree and a bit heavier than Tyree. Not quite as dynamic. But I had somebody that I trust over the weekend tell me if he ends up with eight to ten sacks this season, he's a first round type guy. And again, because of it's the six 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 seven component, two eighty five component. I mean, he's a large human, and with 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 long arm. And again, some of the things that that the NFL looks for. And so, really, he just lacks the production parts. You know, he's got to go do it. He's got to go use that that frame and that body of his to make some plays and to disrupt and to being in an opponent's backfield regularly on, on, you know, uh, in league games and, and get to the quarterback and all those things. But, uh, but if he, if he does that and that eight to six, and I think he's only got one and a half career sacks, you know? So again, you're, you're asking for quite a leap now tech. 
you know, Joey and James Blanchard and people like that, they seem sold. They seem like, and I saw it uh, in the spring game. He gets around the, the edge in a hurry. So we'll, we'll see. The other. Thought, Chris, some, I thought I saw it in Houston a little bit, by the way, if you didn't know who he was uh, as a fan. Um, I agree. The, the Texas Bowl, you know, he fly, I guarantee there are some Tech fans that I, I get it. Some Tech fans that think Miles Cole is an inside receiver. <laughs> so. <laughs> If you had, and I get it. I mean, you're wondering who, but yeah. w- when you see him, you'll understand why from a measurable standpoint, which you can't coach. And uh, <laughs> and he did actually flash a little bit in the uh, season capper uh, against the Rebels last year. And, you know, it was it's interesting that you say that because Tyree Wilson did that in the bowl game before <sighs> this past year. That's right. And I think there's uh, the direct correlation there into kind of springboarding you into the next uh, step. So um, let's go. It should be a good yeah. season for Miles Cole. <laughs> That's that, right. That's right. Let's that hope. Continues. <laughs> hey, what about another length guy? Because in my general kind of surface level research, as far as some prospect lists are concerned, and while we're on the, the subject of pterodactyl wingspans, uh, Baylor Cup is a guy that I see. Uh, a lot out there on some of these lists. Yeah, you know, I I, I think Baylor again. He he's uh, he started. To, he had a really good spring. He had that uh, touchdown catch versus Iowa State in Ames. He he again. He looks the part, and that's why I think there's yeah. part of why so much excitement about Texas Tech football because you're starting to get guys that other people wanted or. You know, but this isn't. You, you just had a, a, a lot of good luck with another A and M transfer, and hopefully, you have the, the similar amount of luck with with Baylor Cup as well as Tyree Wilson. But th- these guys just are different, like looking prospects compared to what you usually get. The typical Texas Tech player in years past, it's it's a tick slow, a tick small. Um, you know, you short, um, you know, or, or just, you know, there, there's something that that's not quite, you know, right. But when, when you look at, or, or it, it, there's something that's kept them from, you know, being, you know, recruited by all the blue blood type programs. But when you see the Tyrese, you see the Baylor cups, you know, they, they look like, you know, the, the guys that are playing for, you know, Texas or LSU or Ohio State or Bama or whatever. And that's what's kind of fun. So along those lines, you know, Baylor Cup, man, I mean, he's – it's all in front of him. I mean, he's uh, he's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and he he uh, he just needs to be productive. And I don't think he's got the game-breaking speed. He's not the the Travis Kelsey, like, se- get separation type tight end or anything like that. But, um, you know, there was a run on tight ends, uh, you know, at the first round. Uh, early second round of the draft th- this year, and I think it was kind of fascinating just to see kind of, I think five yeah. guys picked in five ten five tight ends. I think is right picked in the top fifty five or fifty six picks. I think, um, and so you know, I, I don't know if, if we're talking Baylor Cup for, for that, but uh, he, he'd have a chance. The other guys, your two starting corners, you know, Malik Dunlap and Rashad Williams. And then here, here's your one that's a bit off the radar, but I do I absolutely think he's got a chance to be picked next year. It's Tyler Owens. And that's another name that I think people will go, again, man, I, I'm just not super familiar with him because he was on the team last year, transferred from Texas, briefly played. He played at Oklahoma State, got dinged up, and, and he just couldn't quite get any get much continuity. And then when he was healthy again, he kind of – 
you know, passed up Reggie Pearson. And Reggie Pearson was like, deuces, I'm, I'm out. I'm hitting the portal. I'm going to Oklahoma. <laughs> and Tyler Owens played a phenomenal bowl game. But he, again, it, it's it's like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, ish. It's 210, 215-ish. And it's I'm just as good uh, playing close to the line of scrimmage as I am in coverage, which that was always Reggie Pearson's problem. It's just like he, he would come up and pop you and all those things. He's just not very good in coverage, you know, at all. And I thought Tyler Owens, speaking of bowl games, was just really, really good in that bowl game, just throwing his body all over the place, um, being very physical. And so he's an impressive athlete, uh, and I think he'll have a chance. The fun thing is, Cowan, is that we've mentioned here, what, six or seven, eight guys, you know, and that's that's – you know, that that shows you the signs of progress. And Rusty Stats, you know, he's another guy. I think Cole Spencer, those types may have a chance uh, at the back end of a, of a draft next year uh, from an offensive line st- standpoint. So, anyway, but, yeah. Fun Should we be mentioning uh, Steve Linton? You know, I, th- I think Steve Linton is much in the Miles Cole uh, conversation in that yep. I think he has three and a half career sacks, I think is right. And so if he if he is as productive as they think, then look out because he is 6'3, you know, 235 now, I guess is what he's up to. And again, he's just got to, you know, be be productive and he'll have to run a good 40 time. But but absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I part of me like hopes that we're not um this is this conversation is twofold. Part of me hopes that we don't talk about Steve Linton a year from now because that means you'll keep him for one more year. Right. But that that also would have meant he didn't have as good of a year maybe as they hoped this year either. You know, so. Gotcha. Yeah. But. Well, hoping for the best for all of the above and some not named. Like I said, there's going to be some that emerge. Uh, you've always got, of course, you know, just bad luck with an injury here or there that can change some things. Uh, so be curious to see. And, even more so curious, Chris, kind of where Texas Tech is in paving this path to the National Football League as it stands here entering year number two under Joey McGuire. I'm, I wanted to get your perspective here before we get out of here. Um, let, let's just date it post-2000, like starting with the Mike Leach era. Um, you've been as close to the program as anyone. And your best stretches of professional success – and I'm just kind of, I think, for the most part right now, talking about being chosen, regardless of what they did on the other side of, say, the draft or whatever, as far as their careers. But when you've heard Red Raider names called or have seen these lists grow long that have wound up on NFL rosters, um, I'm wondering maybe what years come to mind for you? What head coach, like what little stretch were you the best? Are we maybe kind of in it right now from the end of Wells to McGuire with some of what you've seen? Because I feel some, <laughs> I don't really know how to balance this just as a Tech fan, some feeling that you've been busier in the National Football League with Red Raiders, say, over the last decade or so. You've been busier, had more success in that regard, while you've been less competitive as a program on the college level as compared to, say, some of your more competitive days uh, in the early 2000s under Mike Leach, where obviously the seasons were more interesting I don't felt like I was hearing many as many Red Raider names either called in the draft or sticking on NFL rosters. And I could be wrong, but it, it has seemed a little bit busier, I guess, or a little more frequent over the last decade to me. Uh, how do you view that? Where am I right or wrong? And where do you kind of think, hey, this has been the best little, I don't know, three, four, five year stretch uh, for tech? Or, are we still in it, in it right now? 
I go back to some Tuberville years, you know, when you had some guys hearing their names called uh, early in the last decade. Uh, I know it's a little bit of a jumbled question, but how do you feel about Texas Tech as a program and the way they have and the way they will pave the path uh, to the NFL? Yeah, you know, there, there was uh, early on in, in Tuberville's tenure, there, there was, uh, you know, the Jason Morrow, uh, Brandon Jackson, you know, there there was, you know, I think Jakeem Grant, a part of some of those re- recruiting classes. DeAndre uh, Washington. Well, De- yeah, DeAndre Washington. And then, and then you you, you kind of – you stretch it even further there, and, like, that's where you got into to Mahomes because uh, he played with DeAndre and Jakeem. You know, LaRaven Clark uh, was was yep. a, a Tuberville, I think a Tommy Maynard uh, recruit uh, back in the in the day. So th- there there was a nice nucleus uh, there. What what is fascinating about the run that you are kind of in the midst of right now? Because I'll go back to, you know, Zach McPherson was a was an early pick, you know, a few years ago. And, and and every name and and Tyree Wilson here, and you had the Jordan Brooks uh, pick. Every name that we mentioned, and when there was one name that we that I, that I failed to mention a second ago, when we were talking about potential picks for next year, and that's Jalen Hutchings. I'm doing to, I think he does have a chance, but things have changed in the sport. So th- think about it. Think about th- this, and, and that's why Jordan Brooks will always be a bit special to me uh, with my memories because he was homegrown. He's yes. a guy that you recruited, you developed, you stuck uh, with, and then he just kind of blossomed in first round pick. Well, and, and he was having to, he was being asked to do some heavy lifting the entire time. Yes. I remember Tempe, Arizona as a freshman <laughs> watching Jordan Brooks and thinking, man, I hope we don't ruin this guy because he looks like he could be awesome. <laughs> but everybody but else. Was. Everybody else is is has been a transfer, Cowan. I mean, think about it. Yes. Zach McPherson came from Penn State. Uh, Tyree Wilson from AM. Let me go down the list that I just uh, we, we just went through a while ago. Shuck, Oregon, Miles Cole, Louisiana, Tyler Owens, uh, Texas, Steve Linton came from uh, uh, Syracuse, Malik Dunlap, NC State, Rashad Williams from UCLA. Rusty Stotts uh, came from uh, Western Kentucky. Baylor Cup from Texas A&M. Uh, so only Hutchings amongst that list right there. We, we talked about wow. Trey Wolf. Trey Wolf early in the show, kind of a homegrown guy as well. But that's what's changed. And, you know, I, I think your your ability, whether it's Coach Wells's or, or, or Coach uh, McGuire's ability, their, their staff's ability to – identify some of these portal uh, candidates that you maybe wouldn't normally get right out of high school. I will say that you are starting to get under Joey and Coach Blanchard and and, and Kitley and DeRuder and and, and trickles on down. They are starting to get the measurable guys out of high school now. And it's just a matter of can you keep them and develop them, you know, here without the portal getting in the way and without, you know, somebody throwing a bunch of money uh, like there were rumors about uh, Baron Morton and uh, Jerron Bradley even this past uh, January about them leaving, um, and they're they're both kind of technically measurable guys too. Uh, but I, I think you are in a nice run. That's just what's fascinating about that is as we talk about these players, they've all started somewhere else, uh, most of them anyway. And I think that that's as much about recruiting as anything these days. It's not. 
it's just about it's talent acquisition, and it doesn't matter if you go get them from an ACC school or or some high school in East Texas. It's about what player can help me, and how quickly do I need help? Uh, what can they do for me, and and all those things. But I think because you've been so good in the portal, you're about to have a nice run here from a draft standpoint. If, if folks are interested or concerned about that. But I, I think that you you definitely can make some waves there because, again, you've been able to identify players in the portal and then squeeze more out of them uh, than, than maybe where they were before. That's really interesting, and that ties back to something that prior to this portal era um, in anticipating what it would be like, I, I had some cautious optimism, or maybe it was just blind hope uh, as a Tech fan, Chris, that you – could be a program that would benefit this just in the way that you're describing in that if your program can't make the same splash in a high school living room that Alabama can just by walking through the door, so be it. But everything that glitters is not gold. And obviously those that have maybe spent a year or two or whatever um, on the college level might have found out what fit was or wasn't the best as compared to the way they viewed it as a 16, 17, 18-year-old. And if Texas Tech can be a quality, fruitful program, I don't know why them, and I'm sure there are other examples around the country, programs like them, could not be very attractive to some of those who have shown up, you got the experience or whatever <clears throat> that you thought you wanted as a high school-aged person, and maybe you figured out, you know, th this is not for me, or this roster is X, and it's hard to whatever, hard to crack. I don't know. There's all kinds of reasons why reasons why guys are on the move. Uh, but why can you not be one of those programs that could be really attractive uh, in those instances to some of those guys uh, who do have those measurables when they get off the bus and and do look the part, uh, but are looking for a second home? And that that's kind of mind-blowing. You running down that list, all the guys that we've named and how many of them, uh, this was their first stop. And, you know, I think a guy like Reggie Pearson is another one that, um, not that Oklahoma needs any benefit in that regard, but, you know, he would have been pretty high on this list, I think, if he remained a Red Raider, uh, that we could have used as another example of a guy who came from elsewhere and uh, does have kind of what you're looking for there from a, a professional standpoint. But that's really interesting, man. And the game has changed. And I guess if I was just going to vote for an era that, yeah, you maybe had your best run, not that you can't top it, but it probably was early on, I mean, the last decade, that one you were running through there from uh, guys like Brandon Jackson to LaRaven Clark and Washington and Grant and some old QB in Kansas City. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that was a pretty nice run stretching from Tuberville into Kingsbury. You kind of had that window with a lot of guys who got to the National Football League and a lot of them uh, who stuck on a roster. I mean, it was wild, like Sam McGuavin, you know, Obviously, he didn't play his best football at Texas Tech. It was still out in front of him. And then all of a sudden, you see him sticking in Miami for a period of time. And I'm like, what? That's not the guy that would have been on my hot sheet uh, here in Lubbock. But you find a way. You continue to commit to the process. And maybe some good things happen on the other end of it. Can't wait to actually get to football, Chris, which is what does determine who winds up on these lists. <laughs> Granted, you might think off-season podcast episodes do have a big impact and they do. Trust me, NFL minds tuning into this right here for us to tell them who to pay attention to. But actual football someday will determine uh, the futures of these guys. Just, uh, I don't know, about 125 days from now. Uh, Chris, enjoyed it as always, man. Appreciate all the insight and perspective. And uh, looking forward to it again tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.
Sounds good, man. Keep hope alive. Everybody have a good weekend. Well, yeah, we will. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Get back around. Subscribe on YouTube so you don't miss it when it hits the scene or anywhere you get podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed there so we can be with you every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. For Chris Level, I'm Casey Cowan. We'll see you for the next round on Locked on Texas Tech.